Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled women in the ring. radio.com forward slash the two minute round. My name is Felipe Leon from Tijuana, Mexico, and with us, as always, California Hall of Famer, Mr. David Avila. David, how are you doing tonight? Good, Felipe. Thank you. How are you doing? Good, thank you. And uh, from the North Bay, sliding in at home since she just got into the car is Miss Lupi Gutierrez. <laughs> how are you doing, Lupi? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. Glad Great. So we're, yeah, I'm glad so too. We're all on here. Big day today, Thursday. Female boxing tomorrow. We got some stuff to talk about. We got a great guest as always here. We're gonna have Mr. Abel Sanchez, who I believe it's gonna it's gonna be the first time we have him on the show, David. I think yes, it is, I right? So. Yeah, I think so. We're gonna yes. have Mr. Abel Sanchez, who is obviously world renowned as a trainer of world champions. He had Terry Norris in the in the past. Uh, he had uh, he's had a, a a bunch of other names uh, within the sport. At one time, Sergey Kovalev. At one point, Andrew Reese Jr. and uh, a bunch of other names. But uh, he's going to be with us speaking here on the two-minute round because he is the trainer of the welterweight undisputed champion, Miss Cecilia Breakhouse, who will be fighting on August 15th in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and live on The Zone against Jessica McCaskill. That date was finalized not too long ago, and it is going to happen. And we'll be talking a little bit more about that. It looks like uh, um, Lupe fell through, uh, so she should be calling back in a little bit. So we'll wait for her to call back. But while we do that, David, also today is opening day, finally, for uh, Major League Baseball. Um, not that it has yeah. anything to do with boxing, but it kind of hi Lupe, you're back. Um, uh, not that it has anything to do with uh, boxing, but or female boxing, but it does give us an indication that sports in the United States are coming back. We had top rank finalized their summer series, two months worth of Tuesday and Thursday fight nights, with one of them, two of them that we're going to speak about in a couple of minutes. Um, we have Golden Boy Promotions starting up tomorrow, and we're going to talk about that as well. And then in August, we have uh, The Zone with Matchroom Boxing starting up also in August, and we can talk about that as well. And then also we have um, Showtime Boxing unveiling their uh, their schedule for the rest of the year, and we're also going to talk about that, but that's not so much good news as far as female boxing is concerned. So let's go to fight results, which there isn't that much, but more than uh, more than a lot of the past weeks that we had since COVID-19, where on Tuesday, July 14th, from the bubble at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, top rank gave us on ESPN, Michaela Mayer scoring a 
a lopsided unanimous decision over Ghana's Helen Joseph in a 10-rounder at 130 pounds. The scores there were 192 times in 99-91. Lupi, let's start with you. What were your uh, thoughts uh, about this fight? You know, it was an exciting fight. It was an exciting buildup. You know, Helen Joseph had nothing to be embarrassed about or I mean, she did a great job. It's just that Michaela is just so much bigger than her. There was nothing she could do to hurt her. But I thought Helen Joseph and Michaela, I thought it was a great fight. It was coming back post-COVID. Hmm. Okay, David? Uh, I thought that uh, Michaela actually uh, uh, handled her better than uh, Delphine Pursun did. Uh, I thought because of Michaela's... uh, uh, boxing skill and movement and and uh, angles that she was able to, to have an easier time than Pursun. When, when Helen Joseph fought Pursun, she had some good moments in there. She had a lot of good moments. But against uh, Michaela, I just, there wasn't that many. Very, very few. Now, let's go back a little bit, give a little bit of a history of, of this year, at least in 2020, where Michaela Mayer was originally scheduled for mid-March in Madison Square Garden against Melissa Huracan Hernandez in a fight that we were all looking forward to because of Hernandez's past performance against Siniesta uh, no, uh, Barrios. What's her first name? Uh, the young lady Selena, from uh, Texas? Selena. Selena, Bar- yeah, Selena Barrios. In that fight, we saw Hernandez, a veteran who hadn't fought in a couple years, totally control Selena Barrios. So we're waiting... Mm-hmm. To see that fight against Mayer because we knew that Hernandez, although past her prime, we knew that she could maybe ask some questions of Michaela Meyer. Now that fight fell through, and when Top Rank announced their summer series for the bubble in Las Vegas, one of the first fights that they announced was Michaela Mayer against Helen Joseph, which is what was scheduled for June 9th. We all know the story of why that fight didn't happen on June 9th when Michaela Mayer gave a positive for COVID-19, and then we had her on the show along with her manager, George Reese, and explained the whole situation to us. Now, we can't avoid the fact that Helen Joseph is a natural 122-pounder who was going up to 130 to challenge Helen Joseph. We saw that she was a little bit slower than Mayer, obviously not as tall, Mm -hmm. but that's not Mayer's fault. Mayer, what she has is she has a complete control of of her advantage that she has over her opponents, which is not only Helen Joseph, but all the other fighters that she has faced, where she's much taller and much longer than them. And the thing about Mayer that we have discussed about it on the show before is that she knows how to use that. For me, in my personal opinion, the fight wasn't competitive at all. I mean, from start to finish, Mayer controlled the action. I really didn't see Joseph having any success in there. But that's not a a knock-on. Joseph, but more of a of a feather in Mayer's cap because she is so good. She she what impresses me the most about Mayer is that she we've seen it before, not only in female fighting in boxing, but also in male boxing, where the guy has the advantage in length and height and for what or he doesn't know how to use it or he doesn't want to use it. Right off the top of my head the late, great Diego Chico Corrales, who was taller than most of his opponents and longer, but he refused to use that as an advantage, or he just didn't know how. I think he did. He just wanted to give a great fight. 
And Mayor, she gives great fights, and she uses those advantages in height mm-hmm. and length. Um, so to yeah. me, it wasn't competitive, and I think that I didn't see a better mayor than I've seen in the past, but that's not a knock on her. I think the opponents at this level have asked all they could of her, and now we need her to step up in an opposition to see if she has a, the next gear forward. And I think that's what she's asking for. She's asking for a world title, David. Um, do you think we're going to see her in a world title next, whenever that might be? Uh, I think absolutely. I think uh, Top Rank realizes that they've held on too long, that they actually missed an opportunity with the uh, Eva Wallstrom because they could have had that fight. They just underbid, but they, you know, they missed it. They they should have had that title fight, and they shouldn't have gone to Terry Harper. Uh, it's not Harper's fault. I mean, she took the opportunity and, and, and won. But uh, I think Top Rank realizes they should jump it get uh, uh, Eva Brodnicka and uh, go for that title. Now, one thing that we did see after that fight, Lupe, and I don't know if you noticed it, but there was a little bit of, uh, not controversy, but a little bit of, of, of internet snooping or investigating that some other people were doing, where it was, where Mayer and Bob Arum, the head honcho of Top Rank, had a conversation after her fight where and she actually mentioned it in her interview with Bernie Osuna, where he told her that the world title fight was next and that she asked them not to get outbid by um, by, whoever, by whoever, me, Eddie Hearn. Eddie Hearn. <laughs> yeah. That was, a, that was a complaint that a lot of people had, is that Eddie Hearn was able to outbid top rank to have Terry Harper fight uh, Wallstrom for that title. Now, the part where people were doing the the investigating was that to Bob Aram, it seemed like he said, somebody just called me, blank, blank, somebody just called me, the world title is next. And a lot of people were trying to read his lips or trying to use whatever they could to figure out <laughs> who was the one that called them. And a lot of people said it was a WBO, which makes sense because top rank has a pretty good relationship with Paco Barcaces of the WBO, and it looks like it might be uh, uh, the WBO champion 130, who is, is it Edward Bronica? Let me check my... Uh... Yes, yes, it's Bronica. Yeah, so maybe that's who they go after. Now, I'm Bronica, like when we talked to uh, Piakotska, Eva, uh, Eva Piakotska mentioned, you know, that Bronica is fairly popular, and in Piakotska's opinion, somehow protected in Poland. How hard, Lupe, do you think it's going to be to get Bronica into the United States to face Michaela Mayer? Right now, it is going to be tough to bring her into the United States. And if it's not, she can use that, that she can't get into the United States. True. But Mayor was... Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I Mayor, I mean, it's a title fight next for her, you know, and it has to be. If even when Joseph asked for the rematch, she did on Twitter. It's like, no, it, Michaela's like she said, you had your chance. It's a title fight now. So yeah, it's a. I don't. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and that's the uh, the other note that I want to touch on is that Joseph uh, asked for a rematch, noting 
that there wasn't enough time to prepare and Mayer pretty much knocked that down saying you had eight weeks you know this fight was scheduled on June on June 9th and then it was moved over to July 14th which gave her an extra month and mm-hmm. Mayer stated in her in her post that you got to win a couple of rounds to deserve a rematch. And now I'm go- moving forward and looking for a world title, David. Do you think that Joseph has any right to call for a rematch? Um, no, I mean, she has a fighter's mentality. You know, I mean, I don't blame her because all athletes, uh, they're good because of their confidence. And she was confident that she did enough. Uh, maybe the fans don't view it that way, but – you know, she has confidence in herself, and she was standing at the end. Uh, she just has to drop down to her to a better weight for her. I mean, she's not mm-hmm. a super featherweight. She's not even a featherweight. She's more, yeah. uh, like you said, a super bantamweight. And she dominated super bantamweight, which is a really good division. Now, not only did the fans find her – Winning that fight, but neither did the judges by the scores of 190 two times and 99-91 with one judge only giving her one round. Another note regarding the fight, once the uh, main event fell out, um, that fight became the first female main event presented from the bubble, the first one presented by Top Rank on ESPN ever, and ESPN has had a relationship with uh, Top Rank for almost 40 years since the early 80s when Top Rank was the exclusive, the first time, uh, provider of professional boxing for the ESPN. And the first female fight on main event on ESPN in over 10 years, ESPN did make the note that they have presented female boxing as the main event in the past, uh, namely uh, with Leila Ali. So that was some t- somewhat historic for Michaela Mayer and Helen Joseph and for Top Rank and ESPN. But Hey, hey, it, Felipe. It wasn't planned that way. I, Go ahead. I think that for me, that's what added to the excitement. It was, you know, the first fight post-COVID. They came on as the main event. And like you said, you know, it was a mismatch. But I think that added to the excitement. Yeah, I agree. But the thing this is, like, to me, they, 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 well, I mean, that's top ranks and ESPN's way of promoting the fight because they weren't planning on mm-hmm. making this the main event. I mean, they had another main event, but it fell through. Uh, because of COVID, Jim O'Herring post, uh, uh, mm-hmm. tested uh, positive for COVID again. So by default, it became the, the main event. And there's another fight that we're going to talk about later on in the fight chatter that also by default became the main event. So they're not at the point yet of, you know, making at least on ESPN and on the zone uh, main event. Um David, is uh, Mr. Sanchez calling in from 773? That's the area code? Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe. All right. Well, let's uh, let's patch in our caller. We have 773-592. Hopefully, it's Mr. Sanchez. Hello. Is this Mr. Sanchez? Uh, you guys are ready for Abel, right? I'll get him on the line. Hang in one second, okay? Okay. So, we're going to have Mr. Abel Sanchez coming on the call next. After that, once we get past our interview, which we're very excited about, we are going to touch on the Kim Clavel versus Natalie Gonzalez fight and also the news and notes that we have for the last couple of weeks and what's coming up in the next couple of weeks here on Female Boxing. Our next show is scheduled for Thursday, August 6th here on blocktalkradio.com forward slash the two-minute round, 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. So we should be having any second 
Mr. Abel Sanchez, current trainer of the undisputed and unified, undefeated welterweight champion, Ms. Cecilia First Lady Breakhouse. David. Abel's, uh, Abel's on the line. Go ahead, gentlemen. Mr. Sanchez, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well. How are you, David? Well, this is Felipe, sir. I'm sorry. We're going to patch you on to David, oh, but we Felipe. want to give okay. you the – yes, sir. We want to give you the welcome here to the two-minute round, uh, your fights, your hooks and fights look at the female boxing world. We thank you for being with us and taking the time, and we're going to pass you on to Mr. David Avila. David? Uh, Abel, how are you doing? How's everything? I am doing well, David. Uh, working hard, trying to get uh, through this damn uh, problems that we have in the world right now. But uh, working hard, trying to get ready for fights. So you're you're still up in Big Bear Mountain. You've been. Are you able to go down, or do you just stay up there? No, we go down. Uh, we go down several times, maybe during the week. In fact, we're going down next uh, next Tuesday, Tuesday to do some medicals. Uh, but we do. We go down. Uh, but we. We mainly stay in, in in Big Bear and train and and try to stay away from the um, possibility of uh, getting kind of any kind of infection. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I've I've known you for close to twenty five years, and yes, sir. But a lot of people a lot of people don't know who you are, even though you've trained some of the best world champions around. Uh, can you tell us uh, how you started in boxing? Actually, I started kickboxing back in the late 70s uh, and uh, got introduced to uh, a boxing gym, Ben Lira's boxing gym in South Almonte. Actually, then it was in Almonte uh, in the uh, late 70s and uh, started uh, training there uh, as an amateur. Uh, ben was my coach. Then when uh, I, I actually had a construction business when I was 18 years old, uh, right before I turned 19, I became a general contractor. And uh, I was trying to do both at the same time, train and try to fight amateur and try to do a business, and it just didn't work. So I gave up the uh, the fighting part of it and started helping Ben in the gym uh, and eventually uh, uh, had a champion in 1987, Lupe Aquino, and then from then it's been uh, 18 more. Wow, 18 world champions. Wow, that's incredible. 19 total so far. But, yeah. uh, so, so – um, when you uh, you just mentioned Ben uh, Lira, and uh, for the folks that are listening, uh, Ben Lira is also a trainer, and they train together with uh, Galati, uh, Gennady Golovkin and other fighters right now. And uh, Ben Lira's worked with Mariana Waters and other females. What was it that – have you ever worked with uh, Ben with some of the other female fighters that he, he had? No, actually, uh, Ben has his own gym in South Almonte. Ben assists me in the corner, but he trains his fighters mm-hmm. in South Almonte. I train mine in, in Big Bear. And then when it, when it comes to fights, I help him in the corner and he helps me. Uh, but, no, I, I've known some of the girls that he has trained in the past. I know he has a big, uh, a long history of, uh, of some very good fighters that he's trained. But I've never, I've never worked on them. The only one really that I had a, a chance to work in the corner, I think, twice, was the young lady that he's got in the gym right now. What the heck is her name? Uh, uh, oh man, what's her name? Um, hey, what's uh, Myra? Myra, I forget her last name, but Myra. Oh, uh, I think. Uh, yeah, she fought three times as a pro. 
but I worked uh, corners uh, with her. But uh, none of the other ones. I've heard he's had some very, very good fighters, though. Yeah, so so what was it that what differences are there between the men and the and the female fighters? Is there anything that you could point out that there are differences in your opinion? The biggest difference in, in I, I've never really trained uh a female. I trained some females when I was in San Diego, but they weren't really pros. Uh, they were uh, police uh, officers that were in the police Olympics. Uh but uh has really been the first female that I've trained uh in this manner. Uh, the difference, I think the biggest difference is their dedication and their commitment to the sport. Uh, I think that they are more committed than the men. They don't make no excuses. They don't complain. They work hard. They do what what you tell them. And uh, I think that's, that's the biggest difference. Obviously the men are, are, have a a longer history and are, are are much more uh, uh, in the forefront and much, uh, I'm not going to say more talented because the women are very talented also, but just more in the forefront. Uh, I think the, the ladies' sports or the women's boxing uh, is, is, has been relegated to second, second position when it shouldn't be. There, there's some exceptional fighters in this game. And, and uh, working in Big Bear, uh, you've, you've been with uh, Cecilia for one fight already. Uh, and you fight against a tough Argentine uh, uh, female fighter. Uh, what? Uh, and she had a completely different style. I mean, yeah, she seemed more like an athlete. And what were some of the things that you had to? Did you have to go from scratch, or or did you just add elements? What was the process? Well, the the, the process was at the beginning when I first started with her. With her, she had the uh, I want to say a, a European type of style, more of a a Vladimir Klitschko kind of style, kind of throw punch and a hold and and uh, uh, box uh, box upright and uh, more European style. What I tried to do in the first fight is I didn't want to change too many things. I didn't want to confuse her. Uh, I tried to get her. She hadn't fought in a year, uh, a little over a year. She hadn't been in a gym. She was uh, coming back a little uh, a little rusty and a little heavy. So my my uh, my goal for the first fight was to get her in, obviously in shape and obviously get her weight down and just do a couple tweaks. I didn't want to change too much because I didn't want to confuse her. This time around, we've had a lot of time together, uh, unfortunately, because of COVID, uh, but we've had, we've been able to work on things that I've always, uh, I always teach my guys and I always work with my guys and uh, she has caught on and uh, she's going to be a different fighter. She believes in the system believes in what I'm showing her, believes in what we're doing, and and I think she's going to show us that on the 15th of August. Okay, Abel. Uh, I'm going to turn you over to Lupi Gutierrez. Uh, uh, Lupi, go ahead, Lupi. Thank you. Hi, Coach Abel. It's really a pleasure Lupe? to be able to – good, thank you. It's a pleasure to be able to speak with you. And uh, I just want to say fun. that Cecilia Brackett is an incredible representation for the sport. Um, uh, you know, know she is. That's why that's why it's easy to work with her. Yes, I, it, she really is in and out of the ring. You know, today a friend of mine, she's a photographer, Laura Ming. She told me that you're also a photographer. Yes, I'm an amateur photographer. I take pictures. Uh, I haven't taken pictures in a while because of COVID, but I take. Mm-hmm. I used to take, uh, or I'll start again. I'll take a hundred pictures, maybe twice a week, and uh, and. Uh, fix some of them, you know, crop some of them and fix them up and send them to the fighters so that way they can send them home and, and their family knows where they're at and what they're doing and, 
and they can at least uh, promote themselves on on the on the Twitters and Facebooks and and all those uh, platforms that are available to them. Oh, so you do keep it uh, boxing? You don't go outside of boxing? No, no. I just I just take pictures of my guys uh, or my fighters. I I don't have enough time to to. To, to go out and take pictures of other things. Uh, if I see something interesting and I happen to have my camera, like uh, uh-huh. there's been mornings when I've uh, that I've gone out on the run and or coming back from a, a run that I see a a great uh, picturesque uh, scene with the sun and with the clouds and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I'll take pictures of the snow. I'll take pictures of that. But uh, I try to just limit it to to my guys in my gym. Oh, that's nice. So did you take that picture of Cecilia running in the snow at Big Bear? Yes, of course. That was beautiful. That was a really beautiful yes. shot. Yes. I, I like so those kind of know, pictures because it kind of shows people what we're doing up here. Yeah, beautiful. I didn't, I'm didn't. i in California, and I didn't know it was snowing at that time. It was really nice. All right. So you, you have said, and I, I'm going to quote you, I've long admired Cecilia's boxing skills. She's a tremendous fighter, one of the very best female boxers in history. She's also very willing to learn, which is important as we move forward in training and prepare to face the toughest competition. Did you have any type of expectations or preconceived ideas about Cecilia or women in general, being that she's the first woman that you really have trained? No, what I, what I, uh, what I request whenever somebody comes to me uh, that wants me to train them, uh, I request uh, to have them come up for three or four weeks and see if, because uh, I try not to make any assumptions of what they're like, uh, whether it be mm-hmm. a man or a woman. Uh, I, I want them to come up for three or four weeks, and, and I want to work together, and I want to put them through my system, and I want to put them through our training schedule, and, and see how they react. And not necessarily see, not necessarily to see how they fight or see how they, I want to see their attitude when they're training. Because the worst thing for a coach is to go to a gym uh, where you have to push somebody to train. It's their job, it's not my job to, to mm-hmm. fight. So they, make sure, I need to make sure that I know that they're, they want it more than I want it. So in those three or four weeks, I get a, a taste and I get a, a sense of, of what kind of commitment I'm going to get from a fighter. Uh, then it's easy after that. So I don't make any assumptions. Uh, I, I, I take them uh, for those three or four weeks. And, and then after three or four weeks, the worst thing is going to happen. If they happen to leave, they're going to leave in great shape. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the worst thing that can happen. So, uh, but in those three weeks, generally, you get an idea of what you have in front of you. Yeah, so you keep your open mind. Yeah, now, yeah so, of course. So, so Cecilia is working with Jessica Guerra. She's a member of Team USA. She's number one at 154, and she's the front runner for the 2024 Olympics. Are you amazed to see the talent that is up and coming, and are you willing and wanting to add more women to your roster in the future? You know, uh, because of Cecilia, because of, of uh, Katie, because of uh, some of these ladies that are, Mariana, like you mentioned, uh, Ben used to train. Some of these ladies that are making a name for themselves, other young ladies want to emulate, like in, in all other sports. In tennis, I mean, you have some very young girls that are doing exceptionally well. Uh, mm-hmm. Jessica is, uh, has a good coach. Uh, Mike is a very good coach, and I think that she's going to go far. I think that she'll do well in the Olympics. And uh, I've talked to her before. She wants to turn pro. She wants to fight pro. And with the kind of talent she has, she, knows, uh, she may be a world champion in, in, in the future. Yeah. So is there anything that pleasantly surprised you when you were working with 
You know, these female athletes, one pro and one amateur, when they work together? Their dedication. Uh, their dedication and in, in, in they, they keep their mouth shut. They, they do what they're told. They listen to the coach. Not that we want to be dictators, but they listen to the coach. If they're going to be in the gym, you have to listen to the coach and make sure that, that you do the things that are uh, that the coach thinks that you should be doing. Uh, if if it's not the right coach, you go to another coach. But at least you have mm-hmm. to uh, devote yourself to that system, whatever system it may be. Yeah. And finally, Coach, you seem like a loyal and a dedicated man. For example, when Manny Stewart passed, you had his initials placed on all of your shirts next to your logo. And after taking six years off as a result of a heart attack, and, well, I'm sure you're glad you're here today, you came back and finished what you started, and that was your gym. So you called it being a workaholic, and I call it being dedicated. So when the situation happened with um, Gennady, did you feel any sense of disloyalty, or did you just look at it as business? You know, when you spend as much time as you do uh, in the gym with these, these fighters, you sometimes spend more time with them than you do your own family, uh, your own mm-hmm. children especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, they become part of your part of your family. You become a parent, a brother, an uncle. Uh, and when you have betrayal, it's difficult to accept at the beginning, but uh, uh, people have to do what they feel is in their best interest. I think that uh, the the way that the coaches are are uh, are treated and the way that not only myself, but other, a lot of the coaches you read in the, in the, in the papers, uh, that the way that they're not compensated for, as Joe Goosen puts it, puts it, intellectual property that the fighters will take with them that, that we can't take back. What we teach mm-hmm. them, they're going to take with them, and we have no way of, of profiting from that. And I think that's, that is wrong. Uh, hopefully it will change one of these days, but uh, uh, I think that uh, fighters have to understand that we are giving up as much or more than they are uh, for their careers. Yeah, that's so true. Hey, thank you so much. It really was a pleasure speaking with you. Lupe, thank you very much for the questions. Of course. Felipe? Yes, Mr. Sanchez. How are you doing? Hi, Felipe. I'm calling you. Well, actually, I'm speaking to you from your hometown, Tijuana. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> yes, I was mm-hmm. born there. Yeah. How, how old were you when, you when you moved away? My mother immigrated us when I was about six years old. Oh, okay. So you, your whole boxing career was all done in, in, in the United States. Yes, absolutely. Actually, maybe even five years old, not quite six. Yes, my whole uh, – actually, uh, I started out in business. I started my father. My uh, my father was a general contractor, and he taught me uh, the construction trade and, and the framing trade. So I uh, I was a licensed contractor when I was 18 years old, and I've been a contractor ever since. Uh, boxing was really a second thing. It was a hobby, uh, which became um, – the number one after 2008 when everything went uh, kaput in um, in the world uh, as far as the economies are concerned. Uh, but uh, boxing's been good to me. So, so you're not involved in the in the contracting business after 2008? Yeah, not more, not anymore. I, I do I do some stuff for my uh, my family and I do stuff uh, small stuff on the side, but uh, not really. The construction. I like I built houses up here in Big Bear. I built probably close to forty houses up here in Big Bear, 
and um, uh, I haven't done anything since 2000. The last house that I built was in 2008. I, I, what wow. I was doing, I was doing custom homes. Okay. And you don't have family in, in Tijuana anymore? Yes, I have an uncle, actually, uh, my mother's brother that lives in Colonia Hipodromo. Uh, okay. That, I think that's the only one that's left. He's, he's in his mid-70s, maybe, or uh, let me see, no. He's got to be, no, he's in his mid-80s. Oh, wow. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, his name is. What was that? Hello? Yeah, I said his name is Luis, uh, and he's uh uh, he lives in Colony uh, Podromo uh, with his wife, Teresa, and my wow. two cousins. Wow. So when you come to Tijuana, which taco shop, taco stand do you stop at? Actually, I let my good friend Guillermo Mayen, the promoter there in Tijuana, take me wherever he wants to take me. He seems to know all the right spots. <laughs> oh, okay, Guillermo Mayen. Yeah, I know him pretty, pretty well. Let's get to the boxing portion of my interview, Mr. Sanchez. Now, after okay. the fight... Have you discussed with Cecilia if it's a good idea to go back to her home country of Norway? We all know that she's been here. Actually, she was with us uh, a couple of months ago here on the show, and she mentioned that she had not been back home uh, since she started camp with you because of the pandemic. So have you guys discussed to see if it's a good idea for her to go back home, Uh, maybe because of the fact that she might not be able to get back um, for another fight? Well, absolutely, we've discussed it. But uh, the issues were at the beginning when she first got here in January is that the fight was scheduled, I think, for April. We had a fight in April, I believe. And uh, when the pandemic uh, hit us and everybody was getting sick, uh, the the fear was that she didn't want to fly and take it home to her parents. Uh, So um, they were hoping that they would be able to – they were hoping that the pandemic was not going to be as bad as or as long as it's been and they were, we were going to fight in, say, late May or beginning of June. And the thing just dragged on and dragged on. But uh, the biggest issue was that she didn't want to go home, uh, uh, didn't want to fly home on a plane and catch something and take it home to her parents. Her parents are uh, a little older. They're uh, in their 70s. So uh, it wasn't the smartest thing to do for her. Hmm. So, so as of right now, it's still up in the air. She's going to go back after this fight. We don't know. We uh, we don't know how it's going to go. Uh, obviously, Jessica McCaskill is a very good fighter. We don't know how it's going to go on the on the 15th. Uh, that decision we may, will be made after the fight. Um, uh, I'm sure she wants to go home and see her parents and see her brother. But at this point, that, that decision hasn't been made. Now, as far as Jessica McCaskill, I'm sure that being the type of trainer that you are, you have studied her style, you've seen her fights, which she doesn't have as many as... Mrs. Breakhouse, Ms. Breakhouse, and so my first question is, well, my second question, my, my next question is a two-parter. How much of Breakhouse experience do you think is going to help her versus McCaskill, or do you think it's mute being that McCaskill has fought at the high level for most of her career, and what are the things that Cecilia has to do different from her first fight with you in Morocco, in Monaco, to this next fight with McCaskill? Uh, first of all, uh, I think that Cecilia's uh, history, Cecilia's accomplishments, Cecilia's uh, titles, uh, the tough fights that she's had, every fighter that comes into into the ring in the last 24 fights, uh, they want to take her head off. They want to take the belts. They want to become champions. So 
uh, we're expecting it from Jessica McCaskill. But uh, I've always been the kind of coach that I have to train my fighter to be the best fighter he or she can be. And it doesn't matter what the other fighter brings. It doesn't matter what Jessica McCaskill brings to the ring. Uh, if uh, Cecilia Breakus is Cecilia Breakus 100%, then we shouldn't have no issues. Uh, obviously, uh, McCaskill wants to win, but uh, McCaskill doesn't have the abilities or the experience to deal with a fighter like Cecilia Breakus. If Breakus fights the same way she fought last time in Monaco, which she did very, very well, but it was the first time with her, but it's her... Obviously, we're hoping, and obviously, I know that you're hoping and are sure that she has excelled from that last performance. But if she fights with the same intensity and the same style, she beats McCaskill? Uh, she beats McCaskill not in the way that I want her to beat her. Uh, this fight, uh, you're going to see a to- totally different, I'll, be, I'll say it to you right now, totally different uh, Cecilia Breakers. You're going to see a, a fighter that's uh, my kind of style, my kind of aggressive fighter that... Uh, uh, wants to take your head off. Uh, so it won't be the same fighter that you saw in Monaco. But I've always said that it takes a coach, uh, any coach that gets a new fighter at that level, uh, one or two fights, uh, two or three fights, let's just say, to to impose or have an impact on a particular fighter as far as style is concerned and attitude and, and method of uh, or uh, conducting a, a fight round per round. Uh, I think that uh, it could be like I said, one or two or three fights to have a negative or positive impact. Uh, we're going to see a different Cecilia in this fight. Hopefully it's a positive uh, uh, difference, but uh, Jessica will have a lot to do with that. Now we touched, you touched on the subject with Lupe and with David, the fact that, and with me as well, that Cecilia has been there for a long time. Did you see that as a benefit or as a drawback to this training camp? Because, and how were you able to, you know, get her ready at a peak form? You had to kind of like lower the intensity of the training. She spoke of it a couple months ago when she was with us, that you guys had to kind of like reel it back a little bit. But how hard is it to gauge now that the dates have changed so much that she would be at her peak on August 15th? It hasn't been hard. Once we found out that uh, we definitely were not fighting in April, uh, once this uh, this thing took over, this uh, COVID-19 took over, uh, we found out that we weren't not fighting at that date. I backed her off. I, I, uh, I worked her three days a week. I didn't run her every day. Uh, I made sure that uh, I didn't overwork her and I didn't uh, burn her out. Um, towards towards uh, the be- end of May, beginning of June, I had an inkling uh, of a date. So I started uh, doing a little more. In the, even though it was only three days a week, uh, I started doing a little more uh, in the gym, uh, asking her to do more things in the gym, and, and not really uh, coaching, but more from the outside watching uh, what she was doing and, and making sure that she was doing it like I wanted her to do it on her own because I didn't want to have a, a, a three-month training camp where I'm on somebody's butt every day. Uh, so I think it's a, it was a benefit because she got to – experience some of the things uh, in time that I wanted to do and see the difference and see the changes. See the changes not only in her body, but see the changes in her attitude and her outlook towards what we're doing in the gym. Uh, and she understands the concept, the concept that I have. Every coach is different. But the concept that I have is I want my fighter to be 100% who they are 
and uh, we don't get paid for overtime. We want to go out and get things done as fast as we can, as quick as we can, as hard as we can, and uh, as TV-friendly as we can. Now, one thing that is kind of universal in boxing is that when you get a fighter with Cecilia's experience and her age, she pretty much pretty much set in her ways. How hard was it for you, or was it hard at all to have her accept and try new concepts or new ways of training, obviously the Abel Sanchez way? You know, it really wasn't hard. It's actually simple, but I, I don't think it's because of, of uh, or 100% because of my way. I think it's because she sees the results that we've had in the in this gym, particularly uh, the results with the fighters that we've had, and, and and she wants to be one of those fighters. She wants to be one of those fighters that has the same kind of results that I've had in the past. So it, she was open-minded. Uh, she was willing to try anything, and once you're willing to try it, it's easy to either accept it or not accept it. But I've always. Uh, the way that I coach, I've always tried to tell them that all that means is that you have another play. If a football team has 10 plays, they have 10 different ways of attacking. If you only have a couple plays, then you're limited to how you can attack somebody or something uh, in, a, in a different way that, to, to, make it more, uh, to make it easier for you, an easier fight, uh, more palatable for the fans, and uh, uh, to, change, to change your style in a way that uh, people will say, wow, she was able to do this this way, and now she's doing it this way. So it's the athlete in her that, uh, that, that makes them want to uh, try different things. Now, did you, you know, obviously I'm, I'm sure that you watch her, her opponents, you know, the, the Argentinian she fought in Monaco, Jessica McCaskill for this fight. Do you watch other female boxers that are not in Cecilia Breakout's uh, weight class? And were you watching female boxing and following female boxing before she hit your gym? I'll answer the last question first. No, I was not. Uh, I, I tried to, uh, my father was the kind of person that said, just uh, uh, make sure that you worry about things that you can have control over, uh, things mm. that you will have to deal with. And I never had to deal with female fighters. So it wasn't something that was on my radar. Uh, I had enough things to do with the men fighters that I had. And um, uh, it was it was easy transition because I didn't get a, a girl in the gym. I got a fighter. Uh, she mm. trains like the guys. She runs like the guys. She cusses like the guys. So it was easy to um, to, to train her because she's, she's a guy. I mean, she's a guy in a woman's body. I mean, uh, she's very feminine, obviously, but she's a She's uh, the kind of fighter that, uh, that that wants to win and wants to be the best that she can be. Now, now we get, you gave us an exclusive. You admitted that Cecilia Breakout cusses in, in her in the gym, <laughs> so that's an exclusive for us there. <laughs> now, my last, well, my last. Let me just say this: she doesn't cuss like the men. She doesn't cuss like the men, but she says her words once in a while when the the work gets hard and and she's uh, she's trying to. Uh, make sure that she completes whatever task it is that we're doing. And they all get tired. The men do the same thing. They all get tired and they all uh, have their expulsions of, of, of uh, I guess, uh, tiredness, I guess you could say that, or, or effort. 
My last question, Mr. Sanchez, before we let you go, and we thank you for your time, is you mentioned all the things that Cecilia is like the men fighters. You know, she trains us hard, and she, and she, and she, you know, she puts in the effort. She cusses, maybe not as much as a guy, but she does it. But one thing that is different in female boxing than in male boxing, I want your opinion on it, is the three-minute round versus the two-minute round. That is a big a big point of argument right now in female boxing with some big names, including Clarissa Shields and Anna Gabriels, you know, vowing to put up a fight for the three minute round. What is your opinion as a boxing man, as a man that's been in boxing his whole life and as a trainer and now as a trainer as one of the top three, if not the number one pound for female boxer in the world, what is your opinion on the three minute versus two minute round? The, the, the thing that people have to understand is that the female rank of ranks or the amount of fighters, the number of fighters is limited, first of all. So if you start putting three-minute rounds and you start eliminating fighters because either they get hurt because it's too long because they're not used to it or they get knocked out or they get cut because it's a longer run and they're tired and, and they're not performing at their best, then you're going to eliminate a major portion of uh, of the of the uh, ranks of the of the people that are fighting of the ladies that are fighting. So now you used to have let's say take a, a rough number. You say you had a hundred and uh, uh, fifty of them get cut or get stopped. Now you're limiting the fight that you're going to have in the future. Uh, there was an uh, article in, in on Twitter. There was a thing on Twitter post uh, Teresa Shields saying she's got all these belts but she has no fights. Could you imagine if, if, if you depleted the ranks because of knockouts or because of cuts uh, and she had less fight than she has now? So you have to understand that uh, once you start moving at the three minutes, you're going to do that. You're going to lose a lot of talent. And when you lose a lot of talent, then it just hurts uh, the female boxing game. Hmm. So as of right now, you, you would stay with the two-minute round, but maybe in five years or ten years as – the Olympics happen and the talent pool gets deeper, you would be willing to go for a three-minute round? Oh, absolutely. I think Cecilia boxes four-minute rounds in the gym. Uh, so it's not that they can't do it. It's that – or or it's not that uh, all of them can't do it. Some of them can. But the ones that can't are the ones that you're going to eliminate. And, unfortunately, maybe, maybe they're not going to fight. They're not going to go on in their careers because of those reasons. Uh, so uh, I, I think that in the future, if we have uh, a bigger talent pool, then yes, it could be very possible. Well, Mr. Sanchez, we thank you um, for being with us here for the first time on the two-minute round. Uh, your hooks and jabs look at the female boxing world. We wish you all the luck on August 15th, and we hope we have you again in the future. Muchas gracias, Felipe. Saludos a todos mis tijuanenses. Muchas gracias a usted. Buenas noches. And there you have it, folks. Mr. Abel Sanchez, the trainer of Cecilia Breakout, who will be defending all her titles on August 15th uh, on The Zone. And David, you know, we talked about it here on the three-minute round. There's no denying the respect of that we have for Mr. Abel Sanchez. And quite honestly, he did bring up some really good points of why – Female boxing needs to stay with the two-minute round. Thoughts? Yes, he did. It's something that, ironically, Jessica McCaskill's 
uh, trainer Rick Ramos yeah. is also the same belief, the yeah. same uh, same argument, which is a valid argument. I think it's a very valid argument and an argument that many people are not using. No, you know, we've used the, the argument of, you know, giving the the opposite of what the WBC says, that women are more prone to concussions, that their bodies can absorb the punishment for three minutes and all that. But this argument of the talent pool not being deep enough, and if you start knocking people out and they get suspended, which is a norm for anywhere from 60 to 90 days, or they get cut, which can take out a, a fighter for six months, then, you know, it's a it's a valid argument and an argument that makes more sense to me than yes. the, what the WBC is saying. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree. I agree. That is a good argument, rather than it the is. other one. But yes, and, and David, I did think about Rick Ramos when you when he was saying it as well, <laughs> and it makes me think how how more similar are they and it makes me think this this fight's gonna even be more exciting than it already I already think it's gonna be. But here's the other side of that <laughs> but here's the other side of that coin as well, guys. Because I'm thinking about it as you guys are speaking. Here's the other side of the coin is that sometimes these fighters take more than six months or three months to get a fight because the opportunity exactly. is not there. I mean we have the elite yeah. fighters that have the the great the great um uh, deals like Clarissa Shields, who was fighting maybe every two or three months, and but some of these fighters go longer than three, four, six months to get into a fight because exactly. because the data are just not there for female fighters. So mm-hmm. valid, valid, and very good point by Mr. Abel Sanchez, but it might be a mute point because the fighters are not getting the dates as often as the male fighters, anyways. So. Ooh, so there it is. There it is for us to discuss. Um, but great interview, um, and we thank Mr. Sanchez uh, for being with us. Very interesting. I had a ton of more questions, but I obviously I didn't want to take uh, too much yeah. of his time. Another, another thing that he didn't mention, well, because uh, Abel's like that, is that he's the one. His style is basically what becomes it has become known as Mexican style, which is yeah. the thing that Kanadi uh, yeah. Kolovkin has mentioned mm-hmm. and that's Abel Sanchez style, Mexican style that he's teaching Cecilia Brakus. And that's something that yeah. he alluded to. That's something that he alluded to when I asked him um, if the, Macas- the the breakouts that we saw fight in Monaco, can that breakhouse beat McCaskill? He said she, she can, but that's not the way I want her to win. He wants her to win. He didn't mention the Mexican style, but more of his style. And I think that if succeed because what we saw and we talked about it after that fight in, in Monaco is that he kind of I, I mean I don't want to use this 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 example but I can't think of an, a, a, another one but like a jockey like a jockey you know hitting and it's a bad really bad example and I know and I don't want to get any flack for it but it's a bad example but like a jockey hit because I'm a animal I'm an animal activist so I don't believe in in horse racing and then but uh but uh like a jockey hitting that 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 thoroughbred to get across the finish line you could see it in that fight in Monaco where where kind of Mr. Sanchez was was kind of trying to push Cecilia to finish that 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 goes across that finish line using 
what they have learned in the gym, which was the Mexican style. And it seems to me by what he met, he said in the interview that she is closer to the Mexican style than what we saw in Monaco uh, in that last fight. Uh, that means it's going to be an amazing fight. Yeah, because mm-hmm. because McCaskill because McCaskill is all come forward. He doesn't try to box, and if he tries to box in this fight, I think that's a mistake because you're not gonna with the experience that she has, and it's not a knock on her because she's gotten far. I mean, she's the unified super lightweight champion. With she's gotten far without without much of experience in the amateurs or in the pros, but if you're gonna try to outbox Cecilia Breakhouse with the experience, with the advantage that Breakhouse has in experience, it ain't going to happen. So so she has to go for it. She has to make it into a brawl, and she has to see if that if Breakhouse is going to use the Mexican style, is Breakhouse Mexican style better than McCaskill? Because McCaskill goes and goes all out, like, you yeah, know, what brawler. is traditionally known as the Mexican style, you know, of a brawler, which I don't believe in, but, but, but that's what they're known for. So, Exactly. So we're gonna see some fireworks on August fifteenth oh, yeah. on the zone. Uh, finishing up our fight results, this past Tuesday, July twenty first, was with the last Tuesday of ESPN Summer Series during the COVID nineteen pandemic. From the bubble at the Indian Grand, we saw the U.S. debut of a hunt of. It wasn't for the title, but she is the NABF North American Boxing Federation light flyweight title, Kim Clavel also the Pat Tillman uh, Award for Service from ESPN, mm-hmm. scored a lopsided, one-sided unanimous decision over Natalie Gonzalez in an eight-rounder at, at 112 pounds, even though she is a light flyweight champion. The scores there were 80, 72, three times. We've heard of Kim Clavel. I haven't really done a lot of research. I really, I'm not really prone to going on, on YouTube and looking at fighters, past fights. I want to see... I want to see what they look like right now because last fight was last fight. Yeah, you're going to get some idea of what they fight like and everything, but you're only as good as your last fight. And I wanted to see this fight yeah. from Kim Clavel to make my, my opinion of her. And I, I find her very, uh, very good, you know, fast, quick. And even at 112 pounds, I would imagine that at 108, she'll be a little bit quicker, very good on her feet, very good at, um, setting up her distance, managing your distance like Michaela Mary does. And not that she has, mm-hmm. and actually a little bit harder for Clavel because she didn't really have an advantage in height or length, but she just knows mm-hmm. how to use her jab to set up her distance and going to the combinations top and bottom and pretty much countering and being first. Whatever she needed to do, she did. She needed to counter, she did it in the middle rounds when Natalie Gonzalez got a little bit more aggressive. And in the beginning and at the end, she was first. So I was very impressed with her. I want to see her fight better and bigger names. I don't think that she is ready for a Tenise Estrada just yet because Estrada's um, experience, especially in the pros, is a little bit more. But I think in maybe two or three fights, I think Clavel could be ready to give up a, a really good fight. David, what are your thoughts on the fight? Yeah, exactly what you said. I agree totally. Uh, she showed a lot. Uh, she has boxing skills, boxing IQ. Uh, she doesn't have a big punch. Uh, actually, Natalie had a bigger punch, but but she was very good. I mean, she what she had was good enough to beat most of the girls that I've seen in that division. But uh, I'm curious. I, I would like to see her 
fight in the West Coast because there's nobody really in the East Coast uh, at that weight. There's very, very few. But in the West mm-hmm. Coast, it's it's loaded. I mean, you got Japan, you got Mexico, you got California. It's just loaded with uh, smaller uh, weight fighters. Lupe, what did you see in Kim Clavel? I saw everything you said. I agree totally with all all of it. And, you know, she even had the shorter arms, but she was quick. She was fast with those punches. And like David said, she's not a hard puncher, you know, but I see big money fight in the future with Tanisha. And, and Kim's really likable. And with this whole nursing, how she went back and won the Pat Tillman Award, that even um, upped her, you know, for the big money fight. Stuff like that, it, it, it matters. Now, but I like if her. You know, at 108, there is some some uh, fights that could be made for her. And even if she's comfortable at 112, which we saw her fight here, she hadn't fought since, yeah. I believe, January. She had been um, working as a nurse. She's a nurse back home in Montreal, Canada, and she had been on the front lines of COVID back home. Mm-hmm. The reason why she received the Tillman Award. Um, but if she feels comfortable at 112, there's also some good fights there for her in, yeah. the, in the near future, you know, top rank. We don't know if she's signed to top rank. She does, I believe, have a manager. Don't know if she has a promoter in Montreal, in Canada. I know We know she does have a manager. So, I mean, can we see a co-promotion between uh, top rank and, and, and Golden Boy so we can see a Cineas Estrada fight or we can see a Marlene Esparza fight? At this point, we don't know yet, but... You know, she made a splash. People were talking about her. She got a big platform to make her U.S. debut on ESPN on the last fight. Very good ratings, mm-hmm. close to 400,000. She was in the opening yeah. fight. She was in the co-main event, but she was right in the middle of the fight card. So uh, I'm excited to see uh, more of her and, and hopefully soon. Hey, Felipe, you got, can mm-hmm. we talk about how, how great CN having these fights is for boxing? And for for women in boxing, I mean, it's been, I mean, it's free. Everybody's watching them. I mean, for Kim Kim Claval and Natalie to have this fight, I mean, that's huge. A lot of eyeballs on them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was it was. I mean, there was thirteen fight cards. I mean, I don't know, four or five fight cards on average. So you're talking about you know over close to sixty, seventy fights, and only two being female. I mean, that's not great, but, I mean, it is top rank. They only have one female fighter signed to their stable as yeah. of now, you know. So, I mean, I guess beggars can be choosers, so. Yeah. Hey, so, uh, Lavelle, do we have any uh, anything confirmed on her being signed with top rank, or what's happening? I haven't seen nothing anything. Nothing yet, David? nothing yet. Yeah, nothing okay. yet. So we'll see, and we'll, and we'll work on having Kim Kavell on the show. Hopefully soon we can have her on here, and we could mm-hmm. talk to her to her about it. Let's move on to a little bit of fight chatter because our time is going to all run out. Uh, let me check something real quick because it looks like uh, we might have a call. But let me check something real quick. Sorry for the delay here, folks. Um, let's see here. So, so let's see. Okay, so it looks like, because I think I just got a message on my uh, on my phone, but it looks like on the line with us from Chicago in the line, and I'm just going to put it out there oh, because yeah. I, know, I know Rick Ramos 
has the gift Here of gab, go. but we got we need we need <laughs> we need to keep it short, guys, because we got some more news to go through and we're running out of time. So let's patch in Mr. Rick Ramos. Rick, how are you doing tonight? How are you guys? What's going on? Hey, Good, thank hey. you. So hey, you're calling guys. in David. Good. 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 I was. I was actually just saying thank you, David, because you know I was talking about the two, three minute thing, and I'm glad you brought it up because I felt like I was the only one preaching that, and then Abel (laughs) said it, and I didn't want. I didn't want him to get 100% credit for that. You know what I'm saying? So (laughs) I appreciate the love, honestly. That those little things mean a lot to me, so I appreciate. We've had those discussions too. We've had those back and forth discussions, and. You know, I take yeah. all of that in too. I I don't think uh, I'm 100 percent right. <laughs> no, now, right, Rick, me either. But I, I think it's a good argument. Rick, I'm sorry. Uh, Rick, you heard the interview with with Abel, obviously, because you're commenting on it. You know, one question for you. You mentioned to him. Yeah. You, you heard him say that that if Cecilia Breakout fights the way she fought her last fight in Monaco she would beat Jessica McCaskill, but that's not the way he wants her to win. He wants her to win using more of his style. What is your, what is your comment on that, on that comment from Mr. Sanchez? If, first of all, Bustos is 135 pounds, and, and Cecilia didn't even come close to hurting her. So if she fights that way, she, what does she throw? I counted her punches. She's throwing 32 punches around. Jessica throws about 80 punches around. She was too much for her. And if she comes forward Mexican style like Abel Sanchez, I know she's going to do, she's going to get stopped. There's just no way. She, she don't have as much will and grit as Jessica. Jessica is grit and will. And if she comes forward, which I kind of knew Abel only knows that style, she's going to get knocked out. That's it. Knocked out. Mm-hmm. That's what we're banking on. And she's going to come forward because I know I agree. she has to come forward. I agree with you on that assessment that Jessica has more grit. We've never seen Cecilia Breakhouse really have to, you know, bite down and fight. Why? Because she's boxed. She's never really, you know, gutted it out like Jessica McCaskill has in, in but, most of her fights. And, but right, just to put only, it out the there. Thing is, the, the only other thing is the only one who put real, real pressure one and a half times. She, she dropped her once clean and – arguably the second time dropped her and she just started too late and that you know that was the corner's fault they started her in the seventh round they should have started that in the at at the beginning of the second round and they would have knocked her out but one thing that Abel did mention is that like a quarterback or a football team you have different plays so I'm thinking that if if you if McCaskill starts grinding it out and she starts putting breakouts in trouble breakouts could just resort to boxing and she might have the edge there a hundred percent. I agree with you. But the only thing about Cecilia is she has no speed, very little power, and her experience is actually fake confidence. She's never fought anybody good. Who has she fought good? She never fought a puncher. She never fought a go-getter, aggressive, grit fighter who will put – Jessica will put it all on the line. And she's never fought a fighter like that. The same way that Katie never fought, it like, fought like that. I mean, realistically, we lost that Katie Taylor fight by arguably two rounds, right? And she's nowhere near the fighter as Katie Taylor. She doesn't have the speed. Katie doesn't have power either, but she doesn't doesn't have the speed. She doesn't have the uh, ring IQ like Katie, you know? So I don't think she brings anything better than Katie, not one thing, except for me, that's it. 
Well, Rick, we thank you for calling in. We wish we could have you longer, but we do have some news and notes that we need to get through. And I'm sure that we'll be talking uh, no to problem. you next month after the fight. And we wish you all the luck on August 15th. Thank Bye, you so much. And thanks for picking up the phone call. Thank you, guys. No problem, Bye. Rick. Thank you, Rick. Thank you. And there you have it, Mr. Rick Ramos, a surprise guest here on the Two Minute Round, the trainer and manager and good friend of the Two Minute Round, but the but the trainer and manager of Miss Jessica McCarskill. So I'm excited. Honestly, I got goosebumps right now. I'm so excited for this fight. I love so, it. Um, and it's in two weeks. But let's go to the news and notes. Despite being reported the details for the new date for the unification fight between Clarissa Shields and Mary Eve Dukari being worked out during the unveiling of the Showtime dates for the rest of the year, no mention of the female championship fight. Shields was made her disdain public on her social media account. Mark Taffet, co-manager of Shields, told Air Canada they were on the final details with the new date and site with Showtime Broadcasting, but as of now, no word from anybody if this fight is actually going to happen on Showtime. David, you have your ear to the boxing ground. You're like, you're like, you're like, I'm trying to think of a, of a, a Chief Blackheart or somebody when it comes to female boxing and what's coming down. What's that? He's the mole. Yeah, when it comes to what's coming, I know you have, I know you have Mark Taffet on speed dial. Are we going to get this fight at Showtime? Oh yeah, I think it's going to happen. But the thing is, what a lot of people don't know, and I mean, when it comes to women's boxing, uh, Al Heyman does not like women's boxing, and people are always under the misconception that he does. They, they're under the misconception that he had a part in putting Heather Hardy on a fight card, but he did not. That was Lou DiBella. It was not Al Heyman. Al Heyman does not like women's boxing. And I'll, I'll say and it out there because I, I know it's true. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. And, and that's something also that we discussed in our chat that we have, that we, we, we have an ongoing chat here between the three of us where we actually discuss subjects that we're going to talk about here on the show. But the fact that Showtime gave these dates to the PBC doesn't mean that there isn't any other dates that they could give to the, to Salina right. Promotions, who is Clarissa Shields' promoter, and they could have this fight yep. done. Now, I haven't really scrutinized the dates and see if there's an open Saturday there, but worst-case scenario, it goes to a Friday, which Shields has headlined before anyways. Yeah, yeah. I This was just an Al Heyman announcement, basically. Here's a... Here's a relationship with Showtime. This was not about Clarissa. That's why he, they didn't mention anything about it. This is all Al Heyman and his PBC fighters. Uh, that's what they were talking about. Now, now, when they announce Clarissa, that's going to be a separate thing. That'll be, you know, just Clarissa, Salida, and uh, Showtime. Now, something that uh, was brought so to she, our... So she just couldn't... Excuse me. So she just couldn't Go help ahead. herself. I think yeah, she, she just couldn't help herself, right? Yeah, she probably she probably just kind of jumped the gun, you know. I mean, it's not the first time, you know, that she jumps the gun on certain things. So she's probably jumping the gun. It's just it's just a matter of if Taffet and Salida are still working with Steven Espinosa and still trying to get a Saturday, which I think would be monumental. But if she, if it happens on a Friday, who cares? Everybody's home anyway. Yep. Lockdown. Baby. Now, one thing that was brought to our attention actually after the conversation that we had on our last show with the WBA 
super welterweight champion Anna Gabriels is that the fight between Clarissa Shields and Mary DeCarey has been announced as a unif- as an undisputed unification fight because DeCarey has the IBF belt, Shields has the WBC and the WBO, and in the WBA's, and I'm being sarcastic because I know tone sometimes doesn't translate, <laughs> unending what wisdom has also given them the opportunity to fight for the vacant super world title at 154 pounds. So being what Anna Gabriels gave us as a reason of why the rematch needs to happen between her and Shields, the fact that if Shields wants to be the unified undisputed champion, she has to go through Anna Gabriels. The WBA, in a sense, has taken that away from Gabriels because she wow. can go around saying if she wins or the carry whoever wins that fight that they are the undisputed champion at once before because they have that super title from the WBA. Do we agree with that? I don't. Lupe? Absolutely not. I'm, I'm a little confused. Okay. And so, I don't want to ask you to repeat that whole thing again. <laughs> no, no. So I'm going to be very simple. The WBA, they're notorious for having – um, multiple belts in different in, in each weight class. They at some of their on their male side, they have 39 champions in 17 divisions. With with seven divisions having three champions and eight divisions oh, yeah, having yeah, two yeah. champions. So here, in this case, Anna Gabriel is the WBA regular quote unquote champion, and now they're allowing Shields and Carry to fight for the vacant super title in the same division and the super title is thought of as a big, as a higher title than that. So basically they go around Anna Gabriels and whoever wins becomes the undisputed super welterweight champion. Yeah. They just need to get rid of all those extra belts. They need to have personally speaking. I think they just need to have one, you know, one champion here, one champion there. They just got to get rid of all these belts. Yeah. I try to contact I tried to contact Anna Gabriels after our, in our after our interview and before tonight's show so that we could talk so I could ask her about that if she was if she was um, aware that this is what's happening because as she mentioned on our interview she's very uh, supportive and very loyal to the WBA and I'm not sure she knows that this is going on because if that's the case I would be upset because if she was a carry win. They can kind of say, "Well, I don't need to fight Gabriel's because I'm already an undisputed champion." Yeah, and they can keep repeating. Fair. They can keep yeah. repeating and repeating that. Um, yeah. Do you think? Do you think that Gabriel's can make an, uh, a a case for it, D- David? Um, oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, she's been a dominant champion. Uh, and the WBA. Sure. Go, go ahead. The WBA, they love her, so she does, She can make her case. Yeah, I just feel that they're not showing enough love if they're willing to circumvent her and offer this vacant super. If anything, make her the super champion and have them fight for the regular title. But, you know, we'll see what happens once the fight's made because since as of right now, we don't even know if the fight's going to get made or not. Now, undefeated British star Chantel Cameron signed an exclusive contract with Eddie Hearns Matchroom Boxing last week. As it stands, after winning two separate eliminator fights, Cameron is a mandatory challenger not only for the WBC lightweight champion Katie Taylor, but also 
for the super lightweight champion, Jessica McCaskill. So she's won elimina- elimination fights, not only at 135, but also at 140. Hearn stated at the time of signing that her next fight will be for a world title and will be announced in the next coming weeks. Here's another case of the WBC pretty much allowing anybody to do whatever they want as long as they're willing to pay a sanction. Yeah. But she's giving the opportunity to fight for a world title sometime in the near future. I don't think it's going to be against Katie Taylor. Obviously, Katie Taylor has a Delphine Pursue fight, and Jessica McCaskill has um, Anna, I mean, uh, Cecilia Breakhouse. So let's see who Eddie Hearn uh, pulls out and what titles they're going to be for. So we'll see what happens there. He snuck, he snuck up the ladder just kind of like Terry Harper, like quietly just snuck up, you know. But but then again, I mean, Eddie Hearn really loves his uh, UK fighters. He, I mean, as he should. He thinks highly of them and does everything for them, as he should. His game. Well, any thoughts, David? Uh, no, I mean, I, I understand that, too. I mean, he's trying to elevate his fighters, and which is good. Uh, somebody's doing it, at least. And uh, yeah. it's just up yeah. to the, the American promoters to do likewise. Yeah, yep. true. I mean, he's doing his job. He's doing his job. He's he's yep. he's getting his job is to promote his fighters and to get them the best opportunities available. And he's doing exactly that. So you can't blame Eddie Hearn for that. The only you know, and you can't blame her either. I mean, she's just trying to get a belt around her waist, knowing that that's gonna uh, you know you know raise her profile. So no shame in that either. So um, now moving on to our last note here on the fight chatter, due to a respiratory illness suffered by current WBC flyweight Julio champion, Julio Cesar Martinez, and not able to participate in his fight against McWilliams Arroyo on August 15th, the unification fight between welterweight queen Cecilia Breakhouse and Jessica McCaskill has been elevated to the main event broadcast by The Zone. The fight will be held in an open-air awesome. setting on the streets of downtown Tulsa, Oklahoma. The fight will be the first female bout broadcast as the headliner on The Zone. So in the same case as Mikaela Mayer and Helen Joseph, it wasn't planned to be the main event, but because the main event fell through, we get we get it as a main event, which is a step in the right direction, but yeah. let's Let's not get satisfied with crumbs and say it is we're getting exactly. what we want. We wanted it to be planned as the main event from the get go, and and mm-hmm. but it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, it is Absolutely. a step in the right direction. Now, yeah, and it's level jumping. It's level jumping as well. Like as excited as I was for Michaela Mayer versus Helen Joseph, we just level jumped here a few, <laughs> and I'm really excited about this fight. But I, yeah, that, but Felipe, I still have people on my. I do that page, my page, Fox News TV. People saying, "Oh, this shouldn't be. This should be another main event because women aren't the draw." You know, I mean, but, and but I have no that. There's no bigger. There's no bigger draw in that fight card than. Yeah, that. I know. The rest of the fight card is not. The rest of the fight card is not as as yeah. big as that fight. Um, well, well yeah. even even Cecilia uh, Breakers is. More known than Martinez, worldwide. Yeah. Yeah, worldwide. Yeah, worldwide she is. And if they are looking to open mm-hmm. up some of the new markets that the zone is looking to do, then she would be the right, the right fighter to do it in this case. Now, the mayor fight against Helen Joseph and Kim Calabell and Natalie Gonzalez were great fights. But what we have coming up in August 
on the zone with Breakhouse and McCaskill and Taylor and Pursun. I mean, that's just like Lupe says, that's level jumping right there. I mean, those are yeah. those mm-hmm. are completely two different levels. And understandably so, we have two champions, two respected and established champions, and, and well, not even two, four of them. I mean, Breakhouse, McCaskill, Taylor, and next champion, Pursun. But Pursun is coming in with some momentum because a lot of people saw her win that first fight back in June against Taylor. So these are elite female boxing happening in August on The Zone, and we'll be talking about it next month. Now, the fight that we are going to be talking about it on our next show scheduled for August 6th is the fight happening tomorrow night between WBC Silver Light Flyweight Champion Sinez Estrada and undefeated 5-0 Miranda Atkins in a 10-rounder on the first fight on The Zone since the pandemic presented by Golden Boy products uh, promotions. One thing to mention here that I didn't know until I started a little doing a little bit more research is that uh, Miranda Atkins is 42 years old. First time she's fighting 10 rounds. She's fought debuters and maybe one or two fight, uh, fighters with one or two wins. Quite honestly, I mean, no knock in Estrada. She's just trying to get back in the ring. But for for the for the WBC to to you know, make this fight for the WBC Silver Champion official and for the California Commission to accept this fight, it's 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 embarrassing for me. I mean, it I think if anything, dangerous. not only yeah, embarrassing, if anything, dangerous. I mean, you can't blame Estrada. She just wants to fight. She's gonna make some money. Not she was supposed to fight in March. Yeah, not you know? I mean, can she? Can her people say, "Hey guys, can we try to find somebody else?" Yeah. or can we get somebody a little bit tougher? I mean, they could say that, but Golden Boy is going to be, hey, you know what's going on. It's COVID. There's nobody else. We yeah. can't bring anybody well, from Mexico, blah, blah, blah. You know what, Felipe? You know what, Felipe? You're right. You can't blame Sinise Estrada because you got to pay the bill. And, the, and is there anybody else besides this? Yes, there is. And for there are people locally. I mean, come on. There's Ava and that. There's people that they can reach out to ask. You know, and yeah, I know but I mean, Sinisa I see, will fight anyone. I know Sinisa will fight anyone. So, but I see, but I see people throwing out up. the name like Ava Knight and stuff like that. Ava Knight's not a hundred and twelve. She's not a hundred and eight pounder. Yeah. She's not a hundred and twelve pounder. She might be. I mean, she might make a hundred and twelve pounds. She's more of a super flyweight at this point. She hasn't there's fought. There's Corinna Moreno. There's Corinna Moreno. There's even, you know, I mean, there's. I heard they asked her. I'm not blaming Tanisha at all. I'm not blaming Tanisha at all. And, no, no. and if I can say one more gripe, today I was looking for um, something about Tanisha's weigh-ins. You know, I found the worst video on Golden Boy that cut it all off, and that's what they put up, and it looked like it was taken from, like, a phone from 20 years ago. So I, I'm kind of, like, a little bit with Golden Boy right now. Look huh. at what Top Rank puts out. Top Rank does really well, and... I don't know. Not I just think that I think that Estrada, what she needs to do is just go in there and knock her out, and and prove to the boxing world, and prove to everybody yeah. else that that, and to prove to her promoters that hey, you can't put these fighters, you can't put these fighters on on uh, against me. You just can't. This is not gonna work because I'm gonna knock them out, and this does nothing for my career. I mean, yeah. Golden, once she knocks her out, Golden Boy's gonna go out and and put the the you know the highlights and everything that 
that, you know, she knocked out an undefeated fighter and so on and so forth. But the people that really know female boxing and the people that know boxing, because there are people that follow, they're going to know. So Sinesa has to go out there and just knock her out as soon as she can to show, hey, this ain't going to work. You got to put somebody in that's really going to give me some rounds and make and show what I, what I'm capable of doing. So, you know, and I'm, I'm, completely disappointed at the California commission for allowing this fight to go 10 rounds. Mm-hmm. It should have gone six rounds at the most. And not to yeah. say anything about the WBC, they're just looking for their sanctioning fee, making this a WBC silver silver title. So there you go. Uh, David, any and thoughts Felipe, on this? Really, and Felipe, really quick, you'll have people like my sister who says, I don't have this on, but Tanisha will probably knock her out so quick, I'll be able to see it on Twitter. Yeah, because it's going to take seconds and you'll be able to put it on there. So, uh, well, well, my, my information is different. They, uh, I talked to Golden Boy and they asked a lot of fighters. And some of those names that you mentioned, Lupe, they asked. And yeah, nobody they wanted to, to come up. That's another thing. It's, nobody wants to take the fight. Okay, yeah, so, nobody wanted to take a fight. So let's give, let's give Golden Boy the benefit of the doubt. But we don't know, we don't know what came with that ask. You know, did they ask Ava Knight to make 108? She's not going to be able to do it. Or did they offer? Yeah, exactly. Did they offer? Or, or did they, they ask Karina Moran? Or did they offer Karina yeah. Grant? They well, they offered uh, Karina you know? a fight, but basically she turned. This is what I heard. She turned it down because she had some kind of business uh, problem or whatever. I don't know what it was. Okay, she okay, had some, do you no, know what she, they offered? Uh, no, I didn't. They just said that she couldn't do it because she had some kind of commitment, a business commitment or something. Does she own a business? Because that's what they mentioned. It's not Denise's fault. No one wants to take the fight. No, no, no. no, no it's, not, that, it's, not it's not the fighter's fault. But I'm just saying that Golden yeah. Boy, we give the benefit of Golden Boy to say, hey, we ask so on and so forth. But if they're not asking um, the right amount of, they're not offering the right amount of money or asking to for no, fighters. Yeah. That to make certain weights that they can't make because I don't expect Denise Estrada. She's done it in the past where she's fought past her weight class to make the fight. Yeah. But now, now she's yeah. with the she's with the major promoter, so the promoter has to go out there and pay the fighters to come down to 108. She they don't they can't yeah. ask their fighter Estrada to go up in weight to yeah. make their to they make their job easier to match make the fight. You know they gotta pay yeah. the, the opponent to come down and make the weight. So yeah. So there you go. And the, thing that, the most shocking thing is that Blanca doesn't have the zone. How is she gonna? How is she gonna fight? <laughs> how is she gonna watch Breakup, McCaskill, and Taylor pursuing? You know how Blanca wants her to fight. I put him on, and then I watch Zon, and then I Facetime her, and I, that's when we watch the last fight. I think wow. first, so you're admitting, I'm gonna go to her house. You're admitting <laughs> bootlegging the stream. Uh, you're basically bootlegging the, the zone stream and passing it on to your sister. Unbelievable. No, she didn't um, say that. Well, she didn't say that. <laughs> I, don't, I think I have a bad connection. I have a bad yeah, connection. I think you do. <laughs> well, folks, we want to thank everybody for being on the show with us. We want to thank Mr. Abel Sanchez for taking the time to be on the show with us. We want to thank our surprise guest all the way from the Windy City. From Chicago, yeah. Illinois, Mr. Rick Ramos. We want to thank all of you guys for listening. We'll be back here on August 6th, 6th Thursday, 7.30 p.m. Uh, Pacific time to talk about Tines Estrada fight, talk about everything else that's happened in the boxing world, and to preview 
those two great fights happened in the zone. Breakhouse McCaskill and Taylor Emerson. All right, fans, here we go. So with that said, we thank you and we bid you good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.